Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME-CE credit. You are seeing Marissa, who just turned 20 this past month. She's coming in for her well visit. When reviewing her records, you note that Marissa's visit a year ago, a PAP was performed. It revealed ASCA's finding in a reflex test was negative for HPV. The provider repeated the PAP six months later, which was negative, as was her STI screen. Marissa tells you she's worried about having her abnormal PAP and wants a repeat PAP today. Marissa is heterosexual, said one partner, her boyfriend of the last four years. They no longer use condoms as they're monogamous. She had an IUD placed two years ago and has fully been fully vaccinated for HPV. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Dr. Susan Feeney, Family Nurse Practitioner and Coordinator of the Family Nurse Practitioner Program at the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Graduate School of Nursing. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Frank. Wow, so she wants an additional yeah. PAP. We, we, we did a PAP, or someone did a PAP early, and that right. led to what probably was a false yeah. positive finding and an right. extra PAP. And now she's requesting right. a third. Um, right. This raises the question of low-value testing. Can you talk to us a little bit about what low-value testing is and care cascade? Yeah, so low-value care, it doesn't mean that the, you know, that the test itself has no value. What it means is in a particular situation, it has no value. So healthcare services that don't improve patient outcomes or for which harms appear to outweigh the benefits is the, is the quote from an organization called Choosing Wisely. So in other words, doing a PAP uh, in, a, in a person who it's not indicated from evidence to do, um, a PAP on someone else may be an appropriate test, but in this case, low value, meaning that it won't improve her patient outcomes based on, on her risk and her, and her um, profile, and which harms can, can outweigh benefits. And the estimate, according to this, the paper that um, I'm going to talk about, is anywhere between 75 and 101 billion annually in this cascade wow. of care. So what is a cascade of care is that we do a test, uh, which is unnecessary, doesn't add to the overall, over, you know, the overall well-being of the patient, and we find some red herring. We find a abnormal, a false abnormal or something that would resolve on its own. And then we chase that down a rabbit hole and, and to eventually, you know, nothing, the outcome doesn't help, but we've added lots of money to the healthcare system and anxiety and, and, uh, and fear to the patient for no apparent reason. So um, this, is, um, this is not um, trivial. This is something that happens a lot in, in American healthcare. And um, so we said, so basically the research has shown that low value care is frequent despite recommendations. So, so um, if you looked across, you know, the board and you, you know, looked at evidence-based guidelines, many providers are not following that 
and trying to figure out why they're not following that is, is another as another talk. But um, because of that, we're getting a lot of unnecessary tests and really having a cascade of care. Because once you've opened that can of worms, now you have to address it. You know. Um, well, actually, and and exactly with Marissa, she's worried um, about yeah. uh, about having cervical cancer and right. this all started because of an inappropriate test and now it's progressing. Right. Yeah, she shouldn't have had the first one. I do think right. sometimes um we fall back. We all fall back on on over testing um Correct. whether it's for insecurity, lack of time, um fear of being sued. I mean there's no clear one solid answer nor one so no no solution. Um, right. So you talked a bit about the Choosing Widely campaign. Um, what other areas have they ha- have they been discussing, and, and how does it affect what we do in primary care? Well, it's a it, this is actually an initiative of the American Board of Internal Medicine, um, and also the Canadian Board has as a similar one. And their mission is to promote conversations between clinicians and patients to help them choose, because many patients will come in like Marissa, and say, you know, I had this abnormal pap, and you're not going to do another one, you know. Um, so help them understand what the evidence is. Um, try not to do a test that's duplicative or a procedure they've already received, and that that we want to give care that is free from harm and truly necessary. So, um, and I think, you know, our system, unfortunately, is not set up to promote the time it takes to have these conversations, but these are the conversations we need to have is to, you know, and it's a tough one because you don't want to say, Marissa, you shouldn't have had the test, you know, at 19, but you right. can say, look, it's, it's not unusual. One of the reasons they've changed the guidelines and now they're even further out, but, you know, at the time Marissa had this, the guidelines are she was not to have a PAP until 21 is because the adolescent cervix can be very inflamed and have changes and we then uh, and and that most often does not progress to cervical cancer and so doing things like colposcopy and leaps and all these other things are more detrimental to their to the long-term health and has no bearing on preventing cervical cancer that many of these low-grade abnormal paps will clear on their own and, you know, she had a negative HPV, so she shouldn't have had this, a repeat pap in six months. But, you know, finding a way to discuss this with her to take her angst away. But you can see how that inappropriate testing caused, created this really significant cascade. And it's, you know, she, we want her to trust us. We want her to trust the system. And now we have to tell her, well, you know, yes, this was abnormal, but it was probably a false abnormal, that it was not, a, it was a, a, or a, a false positive, and that you really are in good shape, that the most worrisome thing would be an HPV, and you don't have that. So let's go back to our, you know, to your previous testing. Um, so choosing wisely is really trying to look at um, the, Look, making have, having clinicians look at tests that are and and apply them appropriately based on the evidence, so that you don't get into these this cascade. And if you go to their website, they have a list of recommendations. You know, from admitting um, 
people to the hospital to doing, you know, what type of, you know, uh, for UTI testing. They've got a, a series of recommendations, and we'll put that on the landing page for people to go to. Um, and I, I remember um, all, all of I was in my, Yeah. I remember when I was back in my training, we were told to get a metabolic profile and a blood count on everyone. One of my peers would always get a TSH and free T4 on all women. And um, I, I can still remember, this has to be 25 years ago, I read this paper that said on doing a comprehensive metabolic profile on an asymptomatic patient, any abnormality had a greater chance of being a false positive than a true positive. But right. in, our, in our society, it was, with, that's fairly highly legalistic, you have to work everything up. Um, right. And and you you get distracted and you over treat you you over test um, and and that cascade has enormous ramifications. So I think this paper, while it does mention tests that I don't regularly do as screening, it reminds right. me and should remind us all that we need to be very precise when we order a test. We should have we should know what we're going to do with the outcome long before we order it, and not just order it for screening purposes. Exactly. And for screening, for example, they chose three tests that you said, you know, pap tests, which I do, but I, if you follow the guidelines, but they were saying that there are quite a few people who are testing before 21 and after 65 and maybe not following the guidelines. And then, right. you know, chest x-ray, not sure who's ordering chest x-rays uh, for screening, but, you know, there maybe people are doing this. They're finding a significant number of, of people who are still doing this. And also the EKG. So they looked at those three tests, and you know the EKG really is that's very strong recommendation that people who are low risk for cardiovascular disease should not have a screening EKG because of the, this high rate of care cascade for normal cardiac function. You know, and right. they also said it's it's really ins according to the USPSTF results, it's insufficient information available to determine for or against for people who are intermittent to high risk to do screening EKGs on asymptomatic people. So again, right. when the screening tests understand that, you know, there's a cascade that can occur and the anxiety that's going to be not just the financial burden, but the anxiety that's going to come from that. So Susan, it's a very, thank you very, I think, very an much. important paper. Oh, sure. You're Thank welcome. you very much for reminding us of this stuff. And uh, take pleasure. care. Thank you. You too. Practice pointer. Before ordering a screening test, consider the individual's particular risks and the best evidence guidelines and discuss the potential benefits and harms of that screening test with your patient. Join us next time when we talk about some updated information around lung cancer screening in smokers. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.